A reading from the book of Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I am with you, as I was with Moses. Now command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant to come to a halt in the Jordan when you reach the edge of the waters. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord, your God. This is how you will know that there is a living God in your midst, who at your approach will dispossess the Canaanites. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the whole earth will proceed into the Jordan. When the soles of the feet of the priest carrying the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, touch the water of the Jordan, it will cease to flow. For the water flowing down from upstream will halt in a solid bank. The people struck their tents to cross the Jordan with the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant ahead of them. No sooner had these priestly bearers of the Ark waded into the waters at the edge of the Jordan, which overflows all of its banks during the entire season of the harvest, then the waters flowing from the upstream halted, backing up in a solid mass for a very great distance indeed. From Adam, a city in the direction of Zarethan, while, flowing, while those flowing downstream toward the salt sea of the Arabah disappeared entirely. Thus the people crossed over opposite Jericho. While all Israel crossed over on dry ground, the priests carrying the Ark of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, remained motionless on dry, on dry ground in the bed of the Jordan until the whole nation had completed the passage. Verbum Domini. Our response is Alleluia. When Israel came forth from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of alien tongue, Judah became his sanctuary. Israel, his domain. The sea beheld and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The hills like the lambs of the flock. Why is it, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back? The mountains that you skip like rams, you hills like the lambs of the flock. Let your countenance shine upon your servant and 
Peter approached Jesus and asked him, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. That is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying it back, his master ordered him to be sold, along with his wife, his children, and all his property in payment of the debt. At that, the servant fell down, did him homage, and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When that servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him, demanding, pay back what you owe. Falling to his knees, his fellow servant begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had the fellow servant put in prison until he paid back the debt. Now, when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. His master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you your entire debt because you begged me to. Should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then in anger, his master handed him over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. So will my heavenly Father do to you, unless each of you forgives his brother from his heart. When Jesus finished these words, he left Galilee and went to the district of Judea across the Jordan. 
Verbum Domini. To forgive is not an option that you and I can take it or leave it. To forgive is a must. To forgive is a requirement of our faith, and there's no way around it, and there's no other option to take besides the essential to forgive in life. I mean, I can end my homily right there. And the parable Jesus gives us is very clear. There is no, there's the master in the parable, the king, who represents God. And then there's the servant who really represents all of us. And then there's the fellow servant who represents those who owe us some sort of debt. We're all forgiven by God, and there's no way anyone can pay off what we owe God. One has to be God to pay off the debt we owe to God. And this makes perfect sense why the Father chooses His only begotten Son who takes upon Himself our human nature while keeping intact His divine nature, remaining as God. This makes perfect sense as through man and through God, Jesus pays off all of our debts to God. Not just ours personally, but mankind's debts, beginning with our first parents all the way to the last generations, to the last person before the end of the world. Jesus is the one who pays off all of our debts by laying down his life, by giving up his life and pouring out every single drop of his precious blood. Jesus pays off our debts before God. Like I said, there's no way, there's no way we can ever pay God our debts except through the Lord Jesus Christ. And this makes sense about our constant need to forgive others because we've been forgiven by God, which we can never pay back. And plus, the line in the Lord's Prayer becomes a principle that we live by. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And as we pray it in Latin, dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris. That's the line. That's the line that we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, we're telling God, do me a favor, please, Lord. Do as I do. The way I forgive people, I want you to forgive me the way, you, the way I deal with others. 
If I don't forgive people, then don't forgive me. That's what we're saying. If I forgive people, then you forgive me. You know, to the degree that we forgive others, that's the exact degree that we're forgiven. And if we truly take this line to heart, we would want to always forgive others no matter what. No matter what, no qualifications, no nothing. And I just wanted to offer to you briefly this morning three steps, three steps in forgiving others. And the first is to forgive in our minds. To forgive in our minds and then forgive in our hearts and then forgive in person when possible. Forgive in our minds, forgive in our hearts, and forgive in person when possible, going to the person or, or whenever the opportunity comes. Like I said, when possible. And we have to get through in forgiving others in our minds first things first because without this level, it will never reach down to our hearts. We gotta, we gotta take care of this over here first. And part of this is to try our best not to play the tape over and over and over in our, in our minds of what happened. Okay, I get it. I've been there before. I, not just once, but more than once. I get it that when things are just happen, it's so fresh in our minds that we can't help it but keep on going. And we can't help it to, you know, this is difficult. Again, it's hard in the beginning because things are very fresh in our minds and the feeling of hurt is painful. And a, con a concrete way to not play the tape over and over is by avoiding to share the incident with others who have no business to know. Again, I repeat this, a concrete way is, uh, of not playing the tape over and over is by avoiding to share the incident with others who have no business to know. Like I said, I get it. I truly get it. In the beginning when it's fresh, you just need to vent. You just need to vent. and and you kind of have to be careful. You have to be selective in who you're venting with because you don't want to vent to somebody that have a big mouth because the venting that you made with the intention of just venting, it has a bad effect if you share it with the person who has big mouth. And so a concrete way is to avoid in sharing the incident with others who have no business to know. And <clears throat> this, again, this can be a challenge at times depending on our personality, depending on our temperament, but it's not impossible. And in this way, we freely choose to forgive others in our minds through concrete actions of not playing the tape over and over so many times. So there's the first one.
forgive in our minds. The second one is forgive in our hearts, just like what our Lord said. So will my heavenly Father do to you unless each of you forgives his brother from his heart. So that's the second part. One of the practical ways to do this is by putting it first thing first in a prayer to God. Make it personal. Make it concrete. And putting it in prayer to God. For example, saying to God from the heart, Lord, I forgive this particular friar who have hurt me, and I entrust this hurt to your mercy. I entrust my memory of this hurt to your mercy. Again, make it a concrete situation and then bring it to the Lord. That's a true act of forgiveness when we actually say, you know, again, using my free will, I choose to forgive and I give it to God through prayer. And if I need to repeat that prayer, I repeat it. If I need to repeat it twice, if I need to repeat it three times, I repeat it twice, I repeat it three times, however many that I may have to repeat because sometimes our minds get obsessed in thinking about it. And again, we, sometimes we can't help it, and that's, you know, the Lord needs to help us. We need the Lord. We can't do this on our own. And so there's the second step. Forgive in our hearts. And then the third step is to forgive in person when possible. Now, again, I get it. Some people aren't ready for that. And some people will never get ready for that. And some people will take a long time to get to that point. But that's the goal. And you want to forgive in person when possible. This is very healing. This is very healing not just for the one who asked for an apology, but for the one who's been hurt ourselves. And <clears throat> one time, this is a real story without telling you the details. One time a friar uh, had emailed all of us in the community. And his email was asking for an apology. And he realized his mistake. And before he wrote this letter, some of the friars get really frustrated, angry, and all kind of stuff, and I'm one of them. And so he wrote this email. He seek for an apology from everyone, and he realized his mistake and his foolish action, is, and he's sorry he did what he did. Now he's asking for an apology. And <clears throat> now one thing that happened whenever you're in this situation is you can either, one, reply right away, or you can hold back, right? If you're not ready to say anything, or maybe you're still angry, you kind of tend to hold back. And so I knew where I'm at, and I tend to, okay, I got to do this sooner. It's better sooner than later. So I wrote him right away in a group response. First thing I said was, apology accepted. And then I assured him of my prayers. 
And I personally believe it's very important when someone asks you for an apology, you make it clear. You make it clear that you've forgiven that person or that you say something like, apology accepted. Because that person needs to hear that. And you need to hear it yourself saying it. Because like I said, it actually brought healing for both persons, not just the one who seek for an apology, but for the one who asks, uh, for the one who's giving his forgiveness. He's giving his mercy. Again, healing happens. Healing happens, and sometimes tears happen. Sometimes it's, and when there's somebody involved, sometimes that tears of forgiveness spreads to the next neighbor. It's, it's uh, contagious, a good contagious in this case. <clears throat> so forgive in our minds, forgive in our hearts, and forgive in person when possible. And sometimes it's, not, it's, an, sometimes it's an overnight thing, and sometimes it's not an overnight thing. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer where when we do have to be patient with ourselves and the situation we found ourselves in. And when our dear Lord was on the cross, we heard him say, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. This is a vocal expression of God's uh, forgiving us. And in the confessional, we heard this vocal expression also. Again, we want to hear it. We ourselves want to hear it. Am I forgiven or not? Right? And that's why I strongly believe that it's so important when, we when we're in the situation where we give, uh, when we, we accept apology to some people, we say it. We make it clear. And not like, okay, you know, let's say somebody asks me, I'm sorry. I say, okay. What's okay mean? Right? Make it clear. Apology accepted. I forgive you. And that's what the Lord does through what he said in the cross and through what he said uh, through the priest in the form of the absolution. Mother Angelica once said, don't waste your time in life trying to get even with your enemies. Don't waste your time in life trying to get even with your enemies. She said, the grave is a tremendous equalizer. Six weeks after you all are dead, you'll look pretty much the same. And how true that is. Let the Lord take care of those whom you think have harmed you. All you have to do is love and forgive. Try to forget and leave all else to the master. And the master, who is the king in the parable uh, that we heard earlier, you know, how he relieves the debt of a very huge amount that's impossible to pay. Again, that's God granting us his forgiveness. And so likewise, we too must forgive one another.